was sleeping. He wished she wasn't. If she'd talked to him, he might be able to stop thinking about her so hard. Sometimes he could forget her altogether. That was especially true when he was outdoors. Then, if he happened to glance back at the house, at her windows on the second floor, he would imagine her sitting in her wheelchair, her twisted fingers and hands resting on the wooden tray that could swing out from one arm and be attached to the other, so that she was imprisoned the way a baby is imprisoned in a high chair. He could not run into her room and see her whenever he felt like it. But Papa might say, Your mother's had her sponge bath and is feeling quite refreshed. Why don't you take up her tea to her, Ned? He would climb the stairs, wondering why the tea in the cups sloshed more and more the higher he went. He would glimpse himself in the hall mirror as he passed it, his lip caught in his teeth in anticipation of dropping the hot cup. He never had so far. And he would walk softly into her room and place the tea in front of her, the slice of lemon in the saucer occasionally moldy because Papa hadn't had time to go to the grocer's in Waterville to get fresh lemons. Well, Ned, she would say, turning her gaze away from the windows and looking at him. Some days she would smile very faintly, and he would know she was feeling bad. That that smile was all she could manage. That she had to be very careful not to move, careful the way he was with her cup of tea, so that something in her would not spill over. As far as anyone knew, she wouldn't get better. She would have good days and bad days. That was all. There were nights when his parents' voices awoke him. Hers would be high and anguished. His father's, steady and persuasive, the way he sounded from the pulpit in church. As Ned lay listening, his room, luminous with starshine or moonlight, or else as dark as a well, a darkness as thick as fur pressing against his face, he knew that pain had awaked her and that his father was trying to persuade it away. When they had fallen silent and he couldn't get back to sleep, he often walked through the house. Since Mrs. Scallop had come, he was nervous about going up the narrow, splintery stairs in the back hall which led to the attic. Yet there was something thrilling about his passage there, too, a chance he might dislodge an old National Geographic from a heap in the dusty corner of a stair, or trip and bang his big toe or kick over a box with a thousand old buttons in it that would cascade down the stairs right to Mrs. Scallop's threshold and scare her out of her sleep. The very thought of exploding her awake made him shudder and laugh at the same time. In the attic, he would feel his way among the huge old trunks and boxes, the piles of books and magazines and broken furniture, to one of the small windows from which he could see the river if it was a clear night. As he stood there on tiptoe, gripping the unfinished attic windowsill in his hands, he felt as if he were the only person awake in all the great, empty night. He would go back down the stairs and walk through the spare bedroom, past his mother's room, the small room off it where his father slept, past the hall mirror and down the stairs and into the living room, with its dark wallpaper pattern of pussy willows, which his grandmother, dead before he was born, had chosen, 
and by then his eyes were used to the dark, and he could make out the glimmer of the silvery catkins. He would go into the dining room and touch the glass camel on the Tiffany shade, pass into the pantry with its smell of stale cake and sour mop and withered apples, into the big kitchen where the cracked old linoleum might nip at his bare feet like red ants. Before he went upstairs, he would pause in his father's study, testing the floorboards until he found the one that creaked. Then he would be ready to go back to his bed, to sleep. Ned was able to visit his mother almost every day, even if it was only for a minute or two. At first, he would have a conversation with her that was not so different from the ones he had with other grown-ups. His teacher, Miss Jefferson, or members of his father's congregation like the Brewsters. If he could spend a good long time with her, the conversation would change.